0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pages of HR. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, Lead Editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast provides insightful conversations about HR-related books with the writers who create them. By the end of these conversations, we hope that you'll have actionable insights for your business, best practices to tap, and new information to ponder. Today's episode is a special one as we're talking about ageism in the workplace, Over the past two years, perceptions of older Americans have taken a deep dive downward and these negative perceptions that older people are frail and weak and sadly disposable have crept into the workplace. In fact, before the pandemic, an AARP survey showed 61% of people ages 40 to 65 had either seen or experienced ageism in the workplace. In May of 21, that number jumped to 78%, the highest number AARP has ever recorded since they began tracking in 2003. My guest for this episode, Patty Temple Rocks, is passionate about discussing and fighting age discrimination, as well as helping people understand how ageism stunts business growth and reflects poorly on our society. Over the course of her four-decade career in the communications industry, Patty has held senior leadership positions in different sectors, including PR, advertising, and the corporate client side as well. She's also an inspirational leader, builder of teams, creative thinker, problem solver, and agent of change. I love that. Patty is also an author, and we're discussing her book, I'm Still Not Done. It's time to talk about ageism in the workplace. I'm Still Not Done provides an honest and an insightful picture of what ageism in the workplace looks and feels like, and how business leaders can get on the right side of addressing and eradicating it. Patty's story and the stories of people like her create a powerful declaration and a movement to stop this form of workplace discrimination in its tracks, a movement that is more needed now than ever before. So without further ado, uh, and my jazz is going because I'm pumped, let's get into it. Patty, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: I'm great. And thank you so much for having me and for that fabulous introduction.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. and it's all you. So you're you're the fabulous <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, to kick things off, can you please tell me what inspired you to write this timely book?
1: Well, it what inspired me was I actually observed it happening to someone that I cared deeply about and knew enough about to know that there was no way that she was ready to be done, or um, you know, sort of. Deemed as somebody that whose time had come to retire. And because the, of the disparity between, you know, sort of what was happening to her and her energy, talent, desire to stay in the workplace, I just knew something was wrong. And, um, you know, I'd like to say I'd been aware and, you know, attuned to that for my whole career, but that was literally in my mid forties, my aha moment. And I just saw it happening and thought if it can happen to her, it can happen to me. Uh, I better get on that. You know, I better make sure that it doesn't happen to me. And um, just, I'll try to make this story quick, but I, my initial sort of what I was going to do to solve that was very self-preservation oriented, as I said, make sure that it didn't happen to me. I went out, you know, at the time, and this was probably, you know, in like about 10 or so years ago and started doing research and reading everything that I could get my hands on about, you know, sort of ageism and particularly in the workplace was my area of concern. And every single piece of literature I could find basically had one variation or another of change yourself, go get prepared, figure out what you're going to do in your second act. And maybe you have long had a passion for gardening and you'll open, you know, a little gardening shop, or maybe, you know, you like to give back. And so you'll just go on down the line and start start volunteering your time. And I'll be honest, that made sense to me. I thought, well, yeah, you know, gardening is not my thing, but I've got the, you know, things that might be, and maybe that is what I'll do. But then when it kind of, Happened to me, and it was d- a different experience for me. It's different for everybody else, but I realized I'm not ready to go do anything. I don't have a second act because my first act, I'm still in it to win it, you know, and there is no reason why I would want to go do something different because I'm still really good at what I do and I really have a lot left to give. And that's when I realized that it's not us, the worker. <laughs> necessarily that needs to change. Um, although I do think that we always need to stay relevant and sharp and all those things, but the workplace just has these really antiquated, unconscious biases at play that are pushing this perception that once you reach a certain age, you're no longer sort of relevant. So so my, my book, as you quoted the subtitle, is um, about the workplace. And I really am trying to sort of light a fire under businesses um, and get other people to help me do that, um, that they need to rethink their approach and their policies. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And of course, something I didn't touch on, but again, I've been reading through uh, your your book and, and everything that was sent with it, which I love, by the way. You talked about a lot too with how the largest demographic America has ever seen, baby boomers, right? They're now experiencing age discrimination at work. Uh, And it's time to talk about this practice, which is, as you already said, deeply hurtful for business.
1: You know, it's, I'm going to make a really odd analogy, which is sort of my thing. I do that all the time. But I was watching the news this morning and I saw that Burt Bacharach died, you know, the composer. Who's written more, you know, songs that we all know? And I just thought, oh, that's so sad. You know, his music is great, and it is sad. I don't mean to imply that it's not, but I think he was ninety-four. You know, and I think about like the number of people of great talent who have, you know, are passing away these days are often in their nineties, if not even older. And so, a big part of this issue is that, thankfully, we are living longer. We are staying vibrant longer. We need to work longer because we need the money longer. We have a much longer, you know, horizon to plan for in terms of the years that we will be potentially living without income coming in. And so there are just like all of these changes that were, you know, that have been happening for a long time. It's not like we should have been surprised by this, but I think to some degree the workplace was surprised by this. And so, you know, what 30 years ago retiring at 65 might not have seemed so abrupt because the life expectancy then was 70, you know, in the 70s. And so I think some of the shift is just because we're living longer and all the rest of that. But let's also not forget that, and we're living healthy and vibrant longer. Now, as I say that, I'm very aware that the pandemic (laughs) and violence, sadly, gun violence, are both impacting life expectancy in a downward way. But in terms of just sort of overall general health, you know, we're sort of seeing that. So we have to make all these other adjustments as well. And I think, you know, I remember talking to an HR leader at one point and um, the company that she worked for, which was also one that I had worked for, had this um, program that they worked with and that had been developed by an outside consultant that sort of helped you map out a person's career. But it included a peak at 50, you know, and so... Then you know uh, that's partly why these retirement models were set, and and um, opportunities, growth opportunities, stopped happening in a lot of major companies at that age. Because again, the, the 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 then algorithm said, well, this is sort of when you peak, and you know I think we've all recognized that that's not true, but sadly, I just don't think business has caught up to it yet to sort of address really me- meaningfully changing policies and behavior.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And to your point um, about retirement as well, I don't know if you're seeing this on your end, but we've been seeing a lot of content and just a lot of talk about retirees returning to work. They don't want to be retired anymore.
1: For sure. And, um, you know, one of the few success stories, frankly, that I found out there was, you know, a company that Herman Miller, who makes, you know, office furniture and, and other types of furniture, and they realized. Two things from a purely business standpoint, you know, so this is, I have a a great big heart for this because I just think it's so wrong and hurtful, but there is also a business case to be made. And what Herman Miller found out was that if everybody who was retirement eligible took it at when they were retirement eligible, they would have a huge problem, right? They would have a tremendous loss of institutional knowledge. They would have a labor shortage. You know, they would have all of these other things that would make it difficult for them to you know, manufacture and deliver their product to their customers, which is, of course, why they exist. Um, but what they also found, which I thought was really interesting, was that many retirees who retired weren't ready to retire either financially or psychologically. And they realized that in part, it's because they the the atmosphere or the culture of their company, which frankly is the same everywhere, is that you don't, Talk about retirement until you're ready to do it. Because if I tell my boss, you know, I'd really like to think about retiring in the next, name your horizon, two years, five years, I'm going to be worried that if, God forbid, a downsizing comes along, or when they're determining who's going to get a new assignment or a promotion or a bonus. If I'm already in their mind as a short term player, I'm on my way out in the next few years anyway, I might not get that. So the culture that they had inadvertently created was one of keep it quiet as long as possible. Then say you're going to retire in six months or whatever. That creates stress on the company to train your replacement. But it also creates stress for the person who maybe isn't as well planned for that retirement as they should be. So they just created this phased retirement program where they encouraged the manager and the employee alike to have honest conversations about this with no penalty, perceived or otherwise, um, that would just allow, you know, the person that was retiring to even train the replacement. And most, most older workers I know, that's a big source of their career satisfaction is to feel like they've done that. They've left you know, the job in a good place, and they've helped train and help somebody else be successful in that role. So I think that's a big, um, wonderful example that I would love to see more and more companies follow. But I think the other thing that I've seen based on what you said, which is more retirees coming back to the workplace is, you know, sort of started with an impact to consequence of the pandemic that none of us saw. And that was the Great Recession. You know, I don't think anybody at the beginning of it, I vividly remember how much everybody was scared of layoffs and layoffs were real. And a lot of people lost their jobs and older people disproportionately lost their jobs. But it also then, little did we know that the pandemic was actually going to be really good for certain businesses and there was going to be a great amount of growth. It also created um, unprecedented levels of soul searching. Is this really what I want in my life? For, it was also really hard on working mothers who had to suddenly take temperatures of multiple children often and, and homeschool and do all this other stuff. A lot of working mothers opted out of the workplace. And so, you know, we had, and some in some sectors still have, you know, record levels of open jobs that need to be filled. And I think some companies are finally, thankfully, wising up to realize you know, some of those older workers that I let go, I should, I need them back. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they're loyal. They can come up to speak quickly. So we're starting to see a little bit of that as well.
0: So, this actually, uh, what you just said, of course, great, Patty, but I think this is a great segue to a topic that you discussed and i discuss, excuse me, excitement. And I'm still not done, which is how senior employees are least likely to quiet quit and why businesses should care. Could you talk about that, please?
1: I, I know that it's been actually proven that employees that are over forty have greater um, loyalty, and and more important than loyalty, just engagement. They are less likely to be looking for another job. They've um, they've sort of lived through the tumultuous twenties and the thirties, and you know proving themselves and doing all those things, and have reached a certain level. I think of sort of peace satisfaction. That's not to say they're not going to leave if about you know if something comes if their job becomes negative or a better opportunity comes but they're not as actively looking. They also have higher EQ and that's not to say you know that younger people can't have EQ or anything like that, but EQ which you know emotional quotient that comes from experience and life experiences. So I would be really worried about somebody in their fifties or sixties with a low EQ, because we should, you know, that's just sort of something that experience teaches us. And so in these crazy tumultuous times that we've been living in at the workplace for the last several years, there is, in my view, nothing more valuable than that, you know, than that sort of equanimity that allows us to, I always say like, I've never lived through the pandemic, before. None of us have, but I do remember what it was like to try to get business restarted after 9-11. I do remember the dot-com crash. I do remember the housing crisis and all of these, you know, avian flu. I was working in the restaurant industry that, you know, and so all of these things are not, uh, did not certainly give me any sort of playbook. This is exactly what you do, but they did give me some great, um, points of reference and points of experience to draw from, which is a you know, in my opinion, a meaningful, tangible, take it to the bank benefit for employers about working with um, older workers.
0: Absolutely. I love that. You mentioned a couple of things um, already, but are there a few other examples or maybe one or two that you can talk about uh, the hidden cost of turnover that companies risk by excluding workers over 50
1: yeah, I mean, I think certainly um, one of the most obvious costs of of ageism is, and age discrimination really, are, is litigation and lawsuits. And, you know, majority of which are settled, but the average settlement still costs business at least a quarter of a million dollars. And um, that's, you know, hardened costs or and the cost of paying the person, but also lawyers and whatnot. But I think much more important is, and people sometimes don't think about that, is that you know, everybody sort of watches what's going on. And so even if you're not impacted by a layoff or it, you're young enough to not be concerned about the fact that you see these older workers, you know, being forced into early retirement, or maybe you're not even sure that they're being forced into early retirement, but you sort of wonder because all of a sudden they're retiring and, you know, it, it seems a little bit off to you, um, you now as a younger employee of that company have a little bit of doubt and a little bit of mistrust of that employer because you know if they can if any i think this is just true in life in general if you can you know if you think about it if you're talking about my friend behind my back there's a good chance you're talking about me behind my back so i think that the same thing happens in workplace if you're discriminating against my colleague because of their gender or their race or their age and, and age is one, you know, I, even if I'm a white male, I am vulnerable to age discrimination at some point. So age is the one form of discriminatory behavior that has the potential to impact everyone. So it really does impact morale, you know, loyalty, all of those other things. And, you know, your, your question reminds me of, this is a little off path, but, um, it's not. I, I wrote about this in the introduction to my book, but I had a chance to have it even more validated um, just at, at the beginning of the year here, and that is the younger workers, and I'm talking about the twenty-something. So what are they? You know, it, it is. They are my great hope, honestly, the great hope that I have that we will ultimately start to make progress against this. Because, and I'll tell you why. Number one to your point earlier, they want the coaching, the mentorship, the wisdom. And in particular, because of the pandemic, a lot of these workers have started their first job from their mom's basement, you know, or maybe it's not their mom's basement, it's their own, you know, their studio apartment with no one around them to help them with sort of the soft skills of business. And they miss that and are hungry for that. And so they recognize that they have a lot to learn from, you know, so-called older workers and are not typically the ones engaged in ageist behavior, which I find greatly encouraging. And, and the other thing that I found in talking to these, these folks this age, and I have a 26 year old son, so I have my own, you know, sort of experience to draw upon, but my son has never known me not to work ever. Like I've worked his, you know, entire life and, you know, struggled through the working mom guilt and all those other things. But he he saw that he had a mom who loved her job, was good at her job, engaged at her job. And when he saw me sort of feeling less, you know, valued in my job, it hurt him, you know? And that's what I hear from some of these other 20 or, you know, 20 somethings is that they have working parents And so they know the importance of these jobs to their parents and are not in any hurry to see them get pushed out. And if I had to point a finger at, you know, a generation, it's usually the next one down. It's usually the one who thinks that maybe you are in my way to get the job I want, the promotion I want. And I don't ever want to be in anybody's way because I think growth is a big part of it, but I do want to hold an employer accountable to creating a career path for me where I may not have the next step on the ladder, the next step on the ladder, the next step of the ladder opportunities, but I have a lot left to give and let's work it out together and figure out what we can do. And I, I know what I'm saying about myself is true of, you know, Thousands and thousands of other people who start to feel devalued or unwelcome in the workplace. And there are opportunities. We just need to, employers need to think differently about how they staff their businesses.